Hello, and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded on the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. I'm Kikita Kaori. This week, we are going to be continuing our examination of forests as a setting for your Legend of the Five Rings game. So last week, we looked at the types of forests you can find, the types of forests you can find in different clan lands and how they interact with them and how they think about their forests, the kind of people you might find, forest villages, the kind of industry that can happen there, and the normal animals you can find. And a lot of that was like real-world forests. But now we're going to talk a bit more about the way forests can be used in specifically Rokugan and specifically Legend of the Five Rings. Because they have magic forests. They do. They have very magic forests with magic things. And we are going to start off looking at supernatural creatures that you can find. Yeah. Uh, I would give you news. We would, uh, you know, we try to be a news uh, newsworthy podcast. There hasn't been very much. I don't suppose it's really news to say that the Edge Studio webpage for L5R was updated saying, look here, it's coming soon, updates for L5R, but not actually have any updates for L5R. But it's there if you want to see a very nice uh, new webpage cover. And the Twitch stream, TTRP Theater, um, did a big introduction of L5R uh, in general, fifth edition, but they talk about multiple editions for people who didn't play L5R that you can see if see the archive of that though if anyone's really watching um this podcast or listening to this podcast they probably know everything that's in there anyway you know it's always nice to give a shout out to people who are doing things yeah absolutely yes especially when they don't normally do it we're going to start off with looking at some supernatural creatures that you can find uh many of which are Versions of normal creatures. So, for example, let's start off with the kitsune, the fox spirits. They are very commonly held to be a fox spirit, a a normal fox that has lived a 100 years, and then they start to become magical and grow another tail. Although they do seem to be once, certainly the Rokugani ones often just are fox spirits. They have always been fox spirits. Possibly they are spirits that have lived in Sakaku and have lived for a hundred years, and that's how they start to be able to come over to the mortal world. Kitsune are generally shapeshifters, one of the common myths about them, and the stories that comes up a lot, and actually has some plot implications for Legend of the Five Rings, is that they shape change into humans, very often very pretty humans, and they marry mortals. Which generally goes well until either the mortal finds out that they're a fox spirit or the mortal does something that proves that they don't really love their spouse. And that very often leads to the fox spirit leaving, uh, which can often, you know, often very tearful. Fox spirits can often be tricksters as well, just playing pranks on people, which can range from the playful and silly. But generally, I, th- I think they they can sometimes be kind of vicious. 
but that is more often against people who kind of deserve it. It's like, you know, yeah, they're, they're awful to you, but to be honest, you were asking for it, that kind of thing. Fox spirits are also associated with Inari, the fortune of rice, and thus anything that's involving Inari can involve fox spirits and kitsune. There is a known kitsune spirit, a fox spouse, who is married to Doji Hotaru, the Crane Clan champion. And that's Doji uh, Kozunobu. Uh, how he is going to react to um, the current state of affairs where Hotaru has declared her love for Kachiko, I do not know. But we'll see how that goes, I suppose, maybe, I hope. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> also, fox spirits really, really like fried tofu. That's like their big thing. So if you are ever in Japan and you see something that's labeled kitsune, like kitsune udon is udon noodles with fried tofu in them because fox spirits love fried tofu. Which is better than kind of thinking, wait, was this, is, this, is this made of? Oh, no, 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 no. It's made for. <laughs> no. It's a very important distinction. Made for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I, I did not know that. That's, that's, that's rather cool. Yeah. I love Kitsune Udon. It's my favorite. But, but yes, uh, you can get ramen. And if you see, get Kitsune ramen, it means it's got fried tofu in it. Uh, another supernatural creature that you find in the forest. And this one hasn't really been mentioned that often in L5R for reasons I will get into. Um, but is <laughs> equally well-known in um, Japan and does exist in L5R, are tanuki. And tanuki are raccoon spirits. Raccoon slash badger slash something. They're, they're, they're their own thing, but they, they look very much like raccoons or badgers, depending on which you're more familiar with, I guess. Right. They are not black and white. They are more red and white with a mask. These raccoons don't look exactly the same as they do here in the United States. Tanuki spirits are often similarly associated with shape changers. They are also mischievous, but not quite in the same way as Kitsune are. They they're, don't care about being beautiful or causing romantic issues. However, <laughs> they are known for having an enormous pair of balls. And that is like the thing about Tanuki is that they have this enormous pair of balls that, that they can hit people with and otherwise uh, use in all kinds of creative ways. And you can find lots of illustrations of these things. If, if, you, if, if you used to watch Looney Tunes cartoons, seriously, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the, the level you get <laughs> with... With the uh, tanuki testicles, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, right. They are more likely to, you know, shape change into men. They tend to be more practical, less fanciful. They live in the very deep forest uh, and cause trouble in their own way, but they're not quite as interested in humans. There was once upon a time a tanuki clan as a minor clan in the deep past, but it disappeared into the depths of the Nishinomun forest. And it's there for your players to associate with. Anyway, 
they're a thing. Just not quite the same thing as, as kitsune, so. A creature that's not that closely associated with traditional Japanese mythology are the Naga. They're the Naga of Legend of the Five Rings are pretty unique to Legend of the Five Rings. Although there are Naga in the Ivory Kingdoms, but I don't know how similar they are. So the Naga are snake people, and they live in the Shinomen Forest, or at least the Rokugani ones do. They were an ancient race, although they are not technically one of the five ancient races. They had an empire, which spread quite wide. They also fought against the Shadowlands, at least in old mythos. Well, they fought against something they call the Fowl, which seems to be the Shadowlands. But whether it's exactly the same thing is hard to tell. It may be that the Shadowlands and Fuleng is simply a new manifestation of something that's been happening for a long time. And in old lore, and does seem in new lore as well, they went into a deep sleep for many centuries or possibly millennia where most of their species went into hibernation, leaving only a very few remnants to guard over them. There are a few signs, but the Shinomen Forest has overgrown them. And their building style is very different from Rokugan. A lot of very big stone buildings, pyramids, and such like temples. And we don't know an awful lot about in New 5R. They've shown up in, I think, two fictions where some unicorn discover them and get some kind of dialogue going. But unfortunately, then the crab also encounter them and go, these are clearly monsters, therefore they're Shadowlands beasties, therefore we should stab them immediately, which may harm diplomatic relations going forwards. So that's unfortunate. But we haven't heard from them since. So we'll have links to that story in our show notes. Yeah, we, yes. So so you can go check that out for yourself. They're also seen and mentioned as being part of the Ivory Kingdoms. They essentially have a province or an area or something like that of their own, but there's not a lot of information other than they exist. So we don't know whether they are of the same culture or possibly even technically quite the same people. There's a lot of detail which you can find of old 5R Naga, how their society works, they and their hive mind and their abilities. And But I don't know how much of that would carry over to our edition of Legend of Five Rings. So not quite sure how much detail to go into, So, but they exist. They're there, <laughs> and they are very mysterious. Yes. Um, let's see. Another group you can find and these this you can only find in the uh Shinoman forest they aren't in the other forests of Rokugan are more of the Nizumi which are the rat beings that are described pretty well in the Shadowlands book and also in the uh supplement for the uh Mask of the Oni adventure so we get a good picture of those tribes they're also Described and then specifically the uh, tattered ear tribe, which is the uh, Shinoman tribe, is found in the Trail of Shadow uh, book by David Latterroot. They have a full society. They are in contact with the crab. They are short lived. They have 
a, a society that is based on storytelling. We're not going to talk all about Nozomi here, but they are beings that you can find in the Shinoman and uh, have an encounter with with that tribe. And I, I suggest you read the sources that I cited if you wanted to learn all about them and incorporate them in your campaign. Given, especially in, in deep forests, especially the Shinomen, but in many of the other deep mystical forests of Rokugan, there are paths that can lead you to Senkyo, which is the world that has Chikushodo and also Sakaku. So you often get spirit creatures of Senkyo in those forests. And for an example, there is the Onikuma, the demon bear. And this isn't Oni like Shadowlands Oni. This is just the generic kind of monster type Oni. But that is an enormous spirit bear, uh, which is, if you can believe this, even more terrifying than actual bears. Because I've seen the stats of actual bears and they frighten me. So imagine that Oni spirity. Uh, one showed up when the fox clan were helping the crab fight off Akumanooni. One of them brought uh, their demon bear friend and did did much damage to the Shadowlands forces. There also can be lots of other demon creatures that are versions of real animals, but just much more big, much more powerful, much more supernatural in their effect. There can certainly be a demon boar and a demon tiger or anything anything like that. Think of your D&D and then putting dire in front of something and then that's kind of what you're thinking right. about. <laughs> there we go. That's a good idea. Um, possibly. I mean, if, as you get more spiritual, there may be like, I mean, to, again, to steal D&Dism, celestial. So they can range from big physical versions of these creatures to more spiritual versions of these creatures. There's a lot of variety. So Kappa are always a favorite uh, Japanese monster or supernatural creature that can show up. They are mostly associated with rivers and waterways, but they are going to show up in places distant from human beings. And so this would be in the rivers, through forests, or away from people. And, and kappa are kind of turtle men, I guess would be the best description for them. They are, of course, known for having a pool of water that stays in a little cup on the top of their head. And while they are in contact with the water, either because they are in it or because they have some water in their little pool cup on the top of their head, they are extremely strong and can certainly overpower the strength of any human being, even if they are uh, small and wimpy looking. You have to get that water out of their head. And there are some traditional ways of doing so uh, in order for you to fight them. <laughs> they are known for or often blamed for people going missing in the rivers, so for you know, grabbing people and eating them. Uh, but apparently they are also like cucumbers, so they can be bought off with cucumbers. You know, you like what you like. They sound funny and cute, but in Japan they were considered very, very terrifying, actually, until recently when everything got cutified, so it was okay. It's fine, it's fine. 
There are all sorts of other yokai you can find in forests, almost too numerous to mention, but pretty much any animal you can imagine, there is a yokai version of it. I mean, there's bakeneko and, and you know, demon cats and no doubt like monkeys and birds and all sorts of creatures. Pretty much all the non-human ones, the, the human ones will mostly be found around people, oddly enough, you know, the, because that's what they are interested in. But in the deep forest, you will find things that really don't care about humans one way or the other, which can be good or it can be very bad. You can also find kumo in the deep forests. These are small kumo, not the great sea spider, but these are, these are smaller kumo that would live in caves and dark places or isolated. So, so these are giant spiders. There are stories of shape-changing giant spiders that turn into human beings as well. They haven't shown up in that form in L5R, but uh, you could always surprise your party with one. I I do like the fact that we have to specify that these are small giant spiders. (laughs) Smaller than, you know. Can you just imagine this creature going, ah, I'm a big scary spider, and everyone's going, nah, you're a small one. You're tiny. Like, what? No, look, look, grab enormous. No, I've seen bigger. Don't say that to actual ones you find that get upset. Right. So lots of supernatural creatures for you to fill fill your forests with and don't hesitate to to make them. That's the spiritual place. That's that's the place where it gets weird and spoopy. And that's that's great. That's where you, the wilderness is in, in Rokugan. But the source for all this spookiness, in many ways, is Senkyo. So I thought we'd take a a moment to talk about Senkyo and what it is and maybe how it interacts a little bit with the forests in general. Yeah, as previously mentioned, Senkyo is the realm, or this this is how it appears to the people of Rokugan. It's a realm of the spirit world that contains both Chikushiodo, which is the realm of animal spirits, and Sakaku, which is the realm of tricksters. And I think uh, to a certain extent, it's almost more of a difference of philosophy than a different place. It's not they these aren't really two separate places. It's the the creatures aligned with Chikushodo or Sakaku, which is a little strange, but then a lot about the spirit realms is a little strange. So I don't think that's too unexpected. Like the Sealy and Unsealy court. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, one theory is that Chikushodo is more geared towards animals that are on the path towards reincarnating as humans whereas Sakaku is more about those who want to be animal spirits and see reincarnating as humans as stupid, because humans are stupid. Look how stupid they are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play tricks on them because that's how stupid they are, kind of thing. The realm of Senkyo features as, as an important part of the Night Parade of 100 Demons novel, which is an excellent novel, and you should go read it because it's amazing. It actually gives us a glimpse into what it would be like to travel through it. And I, I thought you might like to have a little chat about that. So there are portals in forests to Senkyo. And creatures from Senkyo come out and go back. 
and you could stumble into one by accident and, and not even necessarily know you went. Marie Brennan in Night Parade of Demons has part of her story set in Sankyo. And it is quite interesting. She describes it as like the real world, but much more vivid. Everything is a hundred times more intense. All everything you see, everything you feel, everything is 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 much more intense. Uh, time it doesn't really pass the same way it does in the real world, and this is a kind of plot point. A person could stumble into Senkyoku or be tricked there or otherwise taken there, and they could stay in Senkyo for a hundred years and become a really old man and have a family and just live a whole lifetime and then stumble out again and it's the next day. And they're like, what happened? <laughs> you know, or alternatively, you could have somebody stumble into there, think they stay for just a day, come out again, and a hundred years have passed in the real world. So time has no significance there. This is the heart of a, a lot of fun stories about it. In the description in Night Parade of a Hundred Demons, Senkyo is ruled by region by various chiefs. The most common chiefs are actually um, Kenku, the bird people, if you will. But not always. It, it depends. The Tengu tend to be benevolent. Um, but like Bakaneko, not so benevolent. So it just depends. It takes the, and the region takes on some of the characteristics of the ruler of that region. Of, you know, you're going to find more creatures from the court of Senkaku under a mischievous ruler, obviously, and more problematic. There are big monsters in there, uh, things that we would definitely call Oni in there, but it's not really a land that has Shadowlands taint. So it's not like that. But there are monsters that inhabit uh, Senkyo, and you need to have a good understanding of what's going on if you're going to survive it. Basically, all kinds of spirit creatures with all kinds of feelings about humanity and different things that they would be inclined to do if they encounter you. But creatures of Chikshido are generally going to help you because they are trying to reincarnate as humans. They're trying to be good animals as opposed to hostile animals. If you're wandering through the forest at any time, you can encounter one of these and have an interesting alternative adventure. Now, we do have some mechanics linked to forests, which is largely we have the forest region Ronin from Path of Waves. If someone has grown up in the forests as a Ronin, they get plus one Earth, plus one Survival, and 30 Glory, which means they have a fairly low reputation, which can either mean that they are likely to not have been heard of because they've lived in a forest or people have a bad opinion of them. Like if you're a proper samurai, you wouldn't be living in a forest. Having said that, the urban ronin and the haunted ronin both have lower starting glory. So maybe it's more that if you've been living in a forest, no one's heard of you. Well, that or just the idealized ronin basically often comes from the country, comes from a inhabited rural environment and that's where the the stories 
of of good Ronin come from. But for example, an urban Ronin is not very well reputed because it's more like, oh, you're you're a bandit or or something. Yeah, we talked in our last episode about how the forest is really the place of outcasts because it's scary and dark and far away from people and there's monsters in it. And so people who live in forests are suspect, a bit more suspect than they would be if they came from a normal place where there were where there were people. It's not that you aren't known because you're all anonymous Ronin. It's more like you came from the scary forest. Are you sure you haven't been Kitsune cursed or or something? Because creepy things happen in the forest. The forests are not happy places. They are kind of creepy places. Yeah. Also, there's a possibility that because the land of outcasts very often ends up, that's where bandits live. So someone who's, I'm a Ronin, I lived all my life in the forest. It's like, in a bandit camp, perhaps? So that may also account for a low reputation. Mm-hmm. And the other main mechanic attached to forests is that an awful lot of them count as entangling terrain, which has a lot of implications when you're moving around in the forests. If there's an area with brambles, you may also actually put them down as dangerous terrain. There will also be swamps and other areas like that but an awful lot of forests are entangling terrain so it's a thing you would need to add to any encounters you put in or obscuring terrain which they also would definitely be um you're you're going to have a hard time seeing you're going to have a hard time moving through the forest so basically if you're not on a really good clear trail you're going to have at least entangling or obscuring terrain or both on you and potentially a dangerous terrain as well. Depending on the type of forest, some forests don't actually have a lot of undergrowth because of the particular trees that grow. Some trees just, they kind of are actually quite hostile to other plants around them. So it can actually be quite open, but an awful lot of forests, and certainly the stereotypical spooky deep forest where bad things can happen, yeah, entangling, obscuring. Yeah. So while forests are spooky and filled with all kinds of supernatural beings, they can be absolutely lovely. And it's a lovely setting to put your samurai in for many reasons. So I thought we would describe some good forest images that are very, very on brand and you can incorporate them in your games because we've we've kind of talked about this before that that really brings out this this feel of the forest. The first of all, uh, the quintessential Japanese forest thing is the you know really heavy primordial forests in the middle of what seems like nowhere with ferns and stuff until you stumble on a giant camphor tree. So you have huge trunks with heavy ropes called shiminawa around them and uh, festooned with paper strips called shide because this tree is an ancient kami and uh, monk is coming out there and honoring honoring this giant camphor tree. That's a very classic image for you. Another one that you'll see fairly often are ancient overgrown Jizo statues that look like stone children on either side of an overgrown forest trail. 
and they act as guardians for safe passage. So if you are following the trail of statues, then you are generally safe. And they often have small towers of rocks in front of them, and passers-by are encouraged to add stones of their own as they pass by. Right, because in Japan, the statues are often made for the spirits of children who have died early. And in the afterlife, their spirits spend their time building rock towers. And so people are encouraged to add stones onto these spirits' little rock towers that they are making to help them along with their task. And of course, that sun- mysterious rock towers seem to appear in front of the Jesus statues in this fashion. Obviously, the spirits are doing it. Another uh, classic image that you will see a lot is a whistling, whispering grove of bamboo trees, just solid bamboo with the green sunlight filtering down through the leaves and um, making this fishing sound in quiet med- meditation until a master swordsman who has been practicing in this forest cuts one down with a single strike. Yeah, the, the sword fight in the bamboo grove is super traditional, quite frankly. It's definitely an image that, that crops up a great deal. So um, worth maybe including if it's at all relevant to your group, and I'm sure it will be. Try and stage all your fights there. Yeah, absolutely. You'll also find the occasional small clearing with a charcoal burner at work, setting up their kiln or oven, depending on how you view it, I guess. Um, Who may well be willing to share a cup of tea with some passers-by. And and who knows if there's something else, because you never know in the forest. Uh, Another image that you could have about people in the forest or working in the forest is, is having a team of woodcutters offering sincere prayers to the kami before they are about to cut down a certain tree. You want to show as the GM the reverence that is had towards this task because you don't just go cutting down big trees just because. So it's a proper right. You have to appease the kami of the tree, and the bigger the tree you cut, the, the more that the kami needs to be appeased. Uh, in order to begin that. So a team of woodcutters offering their prayers before cutting a certain tree really gets that image across. So those are some of the images you may come across in the forest adventures, things you may want to give across to your players, um, environments you may want to have some things happen. But we're now going to move on to some ideas for adventures that can take place that are in forests or about, about forests that feature some of these things that we've been talking about. So one thing we're going to, let's let's start off with, maybe there is a document, a property document for an item that is under negotiation between two clans and they're trying to work out who owns it. And the last entry they can find is that this document belonged to the lost Tanuki clan who, as we said before, went missing long ago in the deep, dark forest. And so the player characters may be tasked with finding out whether any of the Tanuki clans still exist. If they can't find any actual Tanuki, can they find their 
settlements and possibly discover this document if it's still there. So maybe they find that old territory, but it's long overgrown and seems to be empty at, at first, but then they discover there is one strange old man who remains in the ruins of the Tanuki castle or the village that they set up. He says he will tell the characters the story of the Tanuki clan and what happened to them. But first, they must pass his challenges. And what those are and what this old man is, that's entirely up to yourself. Another adventure you can have is if a group of Haman have fled a cruel lord to come scrape out a living in the forest. These Haman, they're not doing any harm, but they don't pay any taxes either. A demon bear has come and is threatening their lives now, and they need samurai help to fight the demon bear. So do your PCs help them? Do they owe allegiance? Do they owe taxes to your lords? What do they owe to your lords? What do they owe to the emperor who trained you and put you in the position to save them? Are you going to start collecting taxes from them now? How are you going to report them and deal with the political implications, even assuming you do go save them from the demon bear to start off with? Now they're on the radar. Are you going to let them just keep below the radar or, or what? Political stuff. Another idea is that there is a rare herb that is the only cure for the illness of the young daughter of a daimyo. However, this herb only grows in the deepest parts of the forest. But what might be keeping this herb hidden? And what might your players discover as they go searching for it? A daimyo or a clan champion or imperial or somebody like that has a tea ceremony. And the charcoal that they use for the tea ceremony gives off an unearthly, either divine or demonic, depending on how you want to take the story, fragrance. This imperial or champion sends the PCs to investigate why this happened. If it was a demonic fragrance, this could have been something that was acutely embarrassing and they need to uh, find out who, who did this. Uh, to intentionally embarrass the Lord, and maybe it uh, did harm to them. Uh, if it was a divine fragrance, maybe they want the PCs to go investigate and find more of it so that they can get a wonderful reputation for their tea ceremony in the future. So the PCs find nothing averse all the way along the chain, and so they track the charcoal all the way back to the original charcoal burner in the forest. Where did this particular charcoal come from? Did the charcoal burner cut a sacred tree? Or did they find a sacred tree fallen that they turned into the charcoal? If they used a sacred tree to make the charcoal, do the PCs go and cut more sacred trees in order to get more of this divine charcoal? Or do they have to stop people from cutting it to try and you know, get more charcoal for themselves. If it was a, a demonic fragrance, do they punish the charcoal burner for for burning a bad tree, or or do they do do the player characters have to placate some upset kami tree spirits, or do they need to if they if they wish to continue to get more of this particularly nice charcoal, do they need to find the right sort of tree 
and placate those kami and say, you know, here is why we would wish to cut you down is and we will still venerate you and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of options with that one. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that gave you some ideas for th- some things to do in a forest. Forests are always a good place for, for adventures of all different kinds. So hopefully we've given you enough between our two episodes here to really uh, find some interesting things to do in the depths of the woods. Uh, so that's us for this week. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to our actual play podcast, Fortune and Strife, which is affiliated to us. Um, I believe they're just heading to season two right now. Mm-hmm. And would also like to give a shout out to D20 Radio, which has a number of role playing game podcasts. So whatever you're into, into the tabletop role playing sphere, there'll be something for you in D20 Radio. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where you can store and see longer-term information. There are summaries of our podcasts, RPG tools, and more. For our Patreons, we have special bonus content like uh, sometimes adventure seeds. We've got early access to our AP pro- podcasts, uh, notes from our AP podcasts, and other things as we think of them. Uh, online, you can find us at our website at courtgamespod.com, on Twitter at twitter.com slash courtgamespod, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I have been Korva, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy. Radio, your gamers roll.